more than 100 unique styles of beer, each with their own set of ingredients, process, guidelines, history, and experience. If you're a beer lover, an industry leader, or somewhere in between, a better knowledge of beer style will improve your life and your work. Welcome to A Sense of Beer Style, essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. I'm Julia Herz. And I'm Jeremy Storton. We're advanced Cicerones, beer judges, home brewers, and we're excited to guide you through the vast and wonderful world of beer styles. All right. Welcome, everyone. Hi, Jeremy. Good to see you. Hi, Julia. Thank you. Hello, hello. Love doing this on a weekly basis. We're on a roll. And today we are taking you through Munich Dunkel. Both of those words are very specific and they'll help be an anchor for you as part of the dark European lager category um, tied to the Beer Judge Certification Program 2021 guidelines. And I'm going to set the stage and then Jeremy will talk about specific ingredients that get us to what's in the glass. But I got to say Munich Dunkel really takes you to Munich, right? This is a beer style historically that was actually started in Munich by the Spaten Brewery. Um, style guidelines talk about the 1830s, and it was really a development of a style after Munich malt was brought to be. Now, Munich malt, we talk about that a lot in Sense of Beer Style in all of our uh, lexicon, where Vienna malt and Munich malt really are that essence of kind of toasted bread crust. It's a medium level kilned um, type of malted barley. It's not overly... Um, baked and heated in the high 400 ranges that would give us chocolate malt and all those other type of malts and it's also not pilsner malt on the lower um, or lowest end of uh, kiln malt flavors like pilsner or wheat it's somewhere in between and that toasted bread crust flavors are really indicative of munich malt and super excited about it uh, this is a style that if you can get in any region of um, Munich, you're going to really be at the home and the heartland. And then you can get ones um, from all across the world now, right? So with that, Jeremy, you can add anything to the introduction too, but um, what, like, take us into the specific ingredients. Well, uh, you know, of course, this is a beer style that really originated in Munich as a result of their water. So let's talk about water first when we talk about ingredients. Uh, the water there has more solute to it. it. It was not conducive to hoppier beers. It just didn't come out well. And so they realized that the water that they had to use worked really well with darker beers. And so, you know, that's where the advent of the Munich Dunkel came out is because it just, the malty, darker uh, malts just worked out really, really well. Um, later on, when they figured things out, that's where we started seeing the Hellas, you know, the, the lighter counterpoint to the darker Dunkel. Um, but for but using that water to its best advantage, that's where we really get a sense of style, pun intended, um, when it comes to Munich. But naturally, as you would expect, they're using Munich malt up, you know, maybe uh, as a complete grist um or a malt bill for the for the grist up to 100%. But if it's not 100%, you they will and can use a little bit of Pilsner malt. They can use a little bit of Vienna malt. Um, and in some cases, they will use some specialty malts, some crystal malts um, on occasion. But um, they're still using their uh, the typical German hops that you would expect. They're still using the German lager yeast. But when we're talking about ingredients, we kind of also have to talk about process. And this one, they're doing uh, a, a lot of decoction and, and some longer boils to really en enrich, if that's such a word, I'm going to make up a word on the fly, enrich the malt flavor and just 
really give it that uh, sense of elegance. And I'll um, jump in to say, for those that don't know what yeah. decoction mashing is, it's a form of brewing process where, and we have a, a prepisode on this. Um, you pull off part of your um, boiling and, and uh, essence, your, your liquid ready to be uh, consumed by the yeast, those sugars from the malted barley, and you concentrate them back down and they, you boil that section, a third of the batch, even more, and then you blend it back into the main um, mash or main boil that's getting boiled. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, and actually, it is a nice little homebrew trick as well. If your mash turns out a little bit colder than you'd like, you can pull some off and, and boil it and pour it back in. And that uh, that's a nice little homebrew trick, but that is decoction mashing. Um, so, Julia, as I pour uh, my version of this dunkel, would you uh, care to talk about what it looks like? Yeah, and easy enough to, to follow along if you're actually watching the show. Many of us are listening via podcast, though, so we'll take you through the romance of the um, uh, aroma and mouthfeel and flavor in a minute. But appearance-wise, this is traditionally dark copper to dark brown, not black, though. Um, Munich malt will bring that dark copper and dark brown um, notes in the in the visual uh, color of the beer. Um, can even have a little red or garnet tint. Um, creamy uh, essence in the collar of foam. Light to medium tan head, not usually pure white. Um, but this beer certainly should be clear. And with that, you know how are you feeling about how your beer is looking. Well, and I, I want to bring that up because I'm looking at the screen and it makes my beer look very, very dark, but it's just an optical illusion. I've got the lights pointing toward it, so it looks dark. But from my vantage point, it is very, very copper to uh, dark brown. I, I'd give it about a 20 SRM. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, uh, because I've got lights coming through it, it's very clear. Uh, it has a little bit of reddish uh, uh, garnet tinge, uh, tinge to it. So it, it's definitely within the realm of where it should be, despite what it may look like on I, screen. I think that beer literally looks like what I just described. And yet always when we are recording this, the, the screen and the cameras make the beers look darker. Yeah. Um, I'm more interested though, what do you smell in? What's the aroma like? Oh, and as soon as I pop the, the cap on this and oh, I've just fell in love again. This beer is uh, a very malt forward style. And if anyone has listened to these, they know that I'm, I'm not a hop head. I do love hops, but I'm a malt head. Um, and so this is where these beers just resonate with me really well. This has a, a very medium to high, uh, rich, there's that word again, elegant maltiness to it. It can get toasty. It can get bread crusty. Um, you can have uh, notes of uh, chocolate, nuts, and light caramel Um I just, you know, think of like a, a type of sweet bread you'd have on like Easter morning or something like that with your brunch. And, and it kind of follows along suit. Um, uh, uh, the hops in the, are uh, very minimal in the aroma. You're going to get just a, like a, a low noble hop uh, character out of it. This is a malt driven style, but clean fermentation. I'm not getting very much else other than this incredible, incredible aroma of this complex and elegant malt. But Julia, that's what I'm getting on the aroma. What can we expect this to actually taste like? And so many of the beers, when you are doing sensory, the aroma sets up the stage for flavor. Mm. Uh, although you do not get, when you're talking basic taste and flavor is a fusion, you've heard it a lot from me, flavor is a fusion of aromatic compounds, basic taste and mouthfeel. 
the basic taste, sweet, salty, sour, bitter, umami, you're not going to get any of that essence in the aromas. So what Jeremy just described and that very malt forward beer, um, and I'm surprised you maybe aren't getting any ethanol either, but you're going to definitely have mm. bitterness that adds to the flavor where you're not going to get that essence of bitterness in the aroma. You talked about the German noble hops um, that are allowed by the style guidelines. So I would lead flavor with obviously the rich malt flavor notes, very similar to what Jeremy's getting and what we've described in a medium to high sense, but a restrained bitterness is what the style guidelines talk about medium low to medium so you get a balance from a little bit of those herbal german noble hop notes but not anything that's going to overshadow it also the less fresh the version that you're drinking is the less you're going to get those hop notes um and then you're also not supposed to be getting any roast or burnt or harsh mm -hmm. um uh characteristics from the malt as i described because the vienna and munich malt munich malt being the star are those medium level kiln malt notes um, you also don't really want to get any um, caramel. Um, that would be, uh, you know, my edge towards caramel in your version of what caramel tastes like. Um, also on top of that, clean fermentation profile, which means when you read the style guidelines, that essence of lager yeast. So lager yeast often take a back drop um, and they are not supposed to, in this style, the yeast um, really be driving any of the flavor. Um, you're going to get, uh, you know, uh, medium residual sugar too, but that kind of takes me into mouthfeel. Um, but this, this, this flavor basis is all about the malt with not too much residual sugar and lightly balanced by hop bitterness and lightly accentuated by hop flavor and aroma. And, and one thing I want to add to that too is, is we're, we're painting this picture of this sweet malt bomb that, uh, you know, it sounds like it might be even kind of cloying and, and, you know, a quick aside, when I think of the term cloying, I think of it's so sweet, it's annoying. Um, it's not cloying at all. In fact, that the, the hop bitterness is just enough to keep everything in check and, and everything in perfect balance. The hop flavor is just enough to keep everything check and balance. And so it really is a beautiful, beer that is weighted toward the malt, but everything is as it ought to be, um, including the the mouthfeel. I mean, this, you know, kind of sliding into mouthfeel in this one, because of the 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 rich malt, uh, when you de when you uh, do the decoction mashing, you end up with sugars that cannot be fermented. They're too big. Um, they're the, the dextrins, the, the, the big, uh, the big sugar chains. And so you end up with some uh, residual sugar. We'll talk about that in the final gravity in a minute, but you're going to end up with a medium to medium full body, but it's still very smooth on the tongue. Um, the carbonation is kind of moderate, kind of where it ought to be, um, but it, it's never harsh. It's never astringent. Uh, and and honestly, these are not terribly strong beers. I, I, I don't often get alcohol warming uh, as a result of this. And, and Jer Jeremy, to add to that, you brought up the water profile and how you know the Munich region of Germany really created this whole malt, the Munich malt, because of the water profile and that high carbonate mineral content in Munich. Well, that lends to mouthfeel too, where it, their essence is, is it doesn't create a dry finish, mm -hmm. but it dries things out. It gives it a carbonate balance. So the water profile here is really adding to the mouthfeel in my view too. Yeah, and and it's it's a good point you just made up. Um, I brewed a Munich Dunkel, 
a couple years ago, and I did add some calcium chloride to my pretty pure water uh, that I was using at the time, and it came out beautifully. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to tell you that it was an amazing homebrew. I was certainly very happy with it. Um, but it was that addition of calcium chloride that really put the emphasis on the malt and less emphasis on the hops. And so, um, you know, th this is just a fun thing about how the, walt the, the, the water profile can change your perception of the beer and just being mindful of that as well. Um, but uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the style comparisons about... Um, about where that would go. Yeah. What, what would you compare this to? There's a lot of nuance there. And again, we're talking about Munich Dunkel, part of the Beer Judge Certification Program, Dark European Lager category. So put your head in the game there. Um, and when you come to style comparisons for Munich Dunkel, it's not as intense in malt maltiness to a Dunkel's bar Bach. Dunkel's meaning dark. Um, so you've got Munich Dunkel, right? The Munich region's uh, lager that is dark. Um, but then you also have Dunkelsbach. That's going to be higher in alcohol, and it's not. Um, it's going to be more malty than our Munich Dunkel. And then um, it doesn't have as much roasted flavors and less bitterness of the Schwartz beer. So super fun when you uh, get to try a Schwartz beer. Go ahead and do it. Uh, Schwartz beer is not just about black beer um, and the color. It's definitely about the nuance behind it. Um, but you would want to prepare, compare a Munich Dunkel to a Schwartz beer. And then also on the other end of the spectrum, richer and more malt-centric and less hoppy than a Czech dark lager. So if I had kind of a stepping stone of stairs, Czech dark lager would be below Munich Dunkel. And then you'd have Munich Dunkel here. And then you would definitely have the Dunkelsbach at the top. And you'd have Schwartz beer kind of over here. And so you could kind of plot that out and do a blind tasting of all four of those and really get good at calibrating um, what this beer is all about, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and you, you brought up all those style comparisons, but now the actual beers that we would expect it to be, you know, granted, this is a Munich Dunkel. So this is a beer that comes from the city of Munich in southern Germany and Bavaria. So... Uh, and, and not outside the city, it, you know, inside the city is kind of really, really what we're talking about. And so if you have a brewery from Munich uh, and it says Dunkel, there's your style. A good example that I happen to grab a hold of is the Eyinger uh, uh, Altbergsch Dunkel. Um, other ones that you can expect to find that are kind of classic that fit this would be the Hacker Shore um, uh, Munchener uh, Dunkel, the uh, Dunkel, the Weltenberger, um, uh, excuse me, the Weltenberger Kloster Baroque Dunkel. And, and obviously I've had one of these two. These are fantastic. The Hofbräuhaus Dunkels as well. But the bottom line is you may see these in craft breweries, uh, you know, uh, other breweries trying to um, create this style and that's great. Uh, go try them. But, uh, but this is nice. You can find these directly from the source and I encourage you to do so. But we, we have been talking a little bit about residual sugars and body and how that, uh, kind of affects how our experience that takes me to vital stats. Yeah. And right? the, the stats do matter, especially in your beer studies, you're sitting for an exam and or beer service, uh, lead beer buyer, brewing these beers, etc. cetera. Um, we always start with original gravity. That means the gravity and the weight of what is about to be fermented 1048 to 1056. That's a super easy range to remember. 
Many of the beer styles, most of them, frankly, fall in the 1050 range for um, original gravity. So 1048 to 1056 would then take us to a final gravity with that lager yeast of 1010 to 1016. That, to me, anything above final gravity in 1010 or up indicates a little residual sugar. Below 1010, it starts to definitely be more dry on the palate. And then that gives us an ABV of 4.5 to 5.6% um, by volume. By volume for that range is very sessionable, very palatable, right? And then the bitterness that Jeremy um, alluded to and I did too that really helps um, bring this beer along is not too significant. 18 to 25 bitterness units for a Munich Dunkel. Um, I've said before in other shows, but to reiterate, if you get to 25 bitterness units, you're certainly getting at discernible levels. Um, perceptible levels uh, below 10, you can't really perceive the bitterness. You start bumping it up to double that to 20, 25, and you get to start to sense a residual bitterness that's balancing that residual sugar of that final gravity, 1010 to 1016. And then the SRM, the color range, right? 17 to 28 definitely takes us to a brown into darker browns, not getting to black though, definitely not there. Um, and I think that's a good hit and an easier one in the style guidelines to kind of remember, because if you wrap your brain around Munich Dunkel and you're drinking it and tasting it, those statistics really make sense and plug and play with uh, with what's in the glass. And and this beer for me, when I was studying and trying to sort out all the vital stats and all the numbers and keep it all straight, I this is where I started following patterns of um, you know, similarities, uh, Vienna Lager and Helles and this, uh, there, uh, there's a lot of, uh, German beers. I call them the base beers where they are four and a half to five and a half, uh, percent alcohol. They are 20 to 30, uh, IBUs and this one falls in that range. And so, um, it, it, it's really the color that distinguishes it. Uh, when you start looking at just numbers on a screen and you have to choose the style, uh, that's where just following those nuances and keeping track of those clues will help you uh, get the right answer. Absolutely. And so let's um, get to the fun stuff, yeah. Jeremy. What, um, you know, what's, yeah. what's the glassware? What's the serving temperature? So we can finally talk about pairings after that. Yeah. So uh, granted, we're going to pull this out of a fridge that should be about uh, 38 to no higher than 41 degrees. But because this is a little bit darker, I honestly like it in the low 40s uh, personally because it, it opens up and the flavor expresses. So anywhere from 42 to 45 degrees is where I prefer it, uh, honestly. Um, but it does not taste bad at 38 degrees. I'm going to promise you that. And it does not taste bad at 50 degrees either. Um, the glass I'm holding in my hand is a glass I want to drink this out of, and it, it is a uh, Bierstein. Uh, it's only a half liter. You can also expect this in a uh, full uh, liter Moss as well. Um, uh, but you know, I, 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 I'd also expect to see this in a in a Willie Becker. But frankly, if it's got some dimples in the handle and it's full of this beer, I'm going to drink it. Yeah, so glassware, Jeremy, I, I love what you're describing. Also, the vase style um, glass that you traditionally see in Germany used maybe for vice beers and um, and the like would also be very, very appropriate for this glass. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as far as uh, what kind of food would you uh, like to eat along with this beer? I feel like every time we're in Germany talking about German styles, meaning a sense of beer style in Germany, uh, we bring up yeah. sausage and roasted meats. 
uh, roasted vegetables. It's because these Munich and Vienna centric malt style beers are just, they just find synergies and bridges and, and links to other things that have been medium level uh, kilned, I should say. And so I'm going to say German sausages, roasted vegetables, um, you know, that Wash Rhine Munster. Munster is not a really potent cheese. It's not all the way to Swiss cheese, which would be fine too. And I think really fun to try out. I would think this uh, Munich Dunkel would take Swiss cheese to a nuttier, more cashew style place. Um, and yeah. the Munster's already got that cashew essence to me as a cheese. So I really would love to see that. Um, and then believe it or not, and I always go to craftbeer.com um, in my trusted colleagues and I, where we have great pairings devoted to beer styles and candied ginger beer cake is what we have listed. And I think that totally <laughs> makes sense. Um, I'd love to see a little snap of ginger. I'd even see people, I'd love to, maybe should I brew a Munich Dunkel with some ginger in it? Ginger brings a little, um, uh, not what uh, is off-putting, but it brings a sharpness, right? It brings also a bright um, essence of uh, of big flavor. And I'd love to see that sneak um, its way into a pairing with the Munich Dunkel. How about you? Well, uh, besides the obvious of German sausage, and of, of course, you're going to call me out if I say tacos again. So I'm not going to say tacos again, but I would, you know, tacos would be great with this. But, you know, something like uh, something just deeply savory uh, barbecue, spicy barbecue ribs in this, the, the sweet and spicy combination always works well. And and this is just, you know, screaming for that. Um, maybe... Uh, maybe uh, going uh, much farther west and getting some like Hawaiian Kahlua pork type of thing uh, would just, you know, the fatty and the, in the sweetness would maybe the sweetness would counterbalance and, and just kind of, you start getting more flavors of that, uh, of that slow roasted pork and some more nuance from this beer. Um, and for dessert, you know, you could really play with this. This is a very, you know, think about what you'd like uh, if you had the flavors of toasted bread crust and chocolate and nuts and toffee, what, what tastes good. If I were to step out on ledge, I would love for a chef to make me some uh, white chocolate and wasabi creme brulee. And I would absolutely love to drink it with this or eat that well, you, with this beer. This is so awesome. You threw in wasabi. That's the same effect as ginger. Um, so I love it. I think with yeah. that, we're going to wrap it up and call it a day. Happy Munich Dunkel studies and drinking and tasting and sharing and brewing and all of that. It's an incredible beer style. Yeah. And to that, I say Prost. Prost. Thank you for listening to Essence of Beer Style, the essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. With advanced Cicerones, me, Julia. And me, Jeremy. Tune into the next episode as we continue exploring the world of beer styles and what to make of them. We encourage you to listen to the prepisodes to build your foundation and better understand beer styles. And before the next episode, I'd like to ask you to review the show and let us know what you'd like featured in upcoming episodes. Until next time, here's to you and your sense of beer style. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.